Hey guys, happy Tuesday, Choose Yourself. I hope you guys are doing well today. I hope you guys are finding yourself in a fabulous state this morning. Just practicing presence, you know, as we learned last week and just being available for everything that this day has for you and everything that this day wants to impart in you. So I got a lot of feedback from last week's episode on how to develop presence and you know if you missed it it really is a good episode um, especially in context to the topic we'll be discussing today but essentially developing presence was all about our thoughts and um, how our thoughts can really run away with us if we're not intentional about the content that we introduce into our lives and introduce into our minds And so the whole conversation was, how do we go about creating content? And most importantly, what happens when we don't create content in our minds? What happens when we don't create newness in our minds? And often what happens, at least in my opinion anyway, is that we recycle the content that is our memories. And that is old fights, mistakes, regrets, arguments and opinions that have had a negative impact on the way that you see yourself and ultimately how you see the world. So in sticking with that, and based on all the comments that I got and the feedback that I got, that a lot of you felt that that was an insightful conversation and a much needed conversation that you had to have with yourself. And so I thought it was actually quite interesting to look at that topic a bit deeper, but really to approach it from the perspective of healing. And so today is part one of a three-part series on healing your life. Um, that you really can heal your life. But healing your life means taking a closer look at your life, taking a closer look at yourself, which isn't always easy and certainly isn't always enjoyable. So this is part one of a three-part series. I hope you guys will enjoy it. I hope that it will you know, bring you some newness in terms of your perspective and your thinking, but ultimately that it will give you the opportunity to look at yourself a bit deeper and to really look at your life and look at the areas that you want to improve. Because ultimately, this podcast is about that. This podcast is about improving our lives where we can, understanding our existence, practicing presence, and walking in the fullness of our purpose. So for today... I really wanted to talk about healing your life and open this conversation. You know, in discussions that we had last week, we spoke about, you know, how our mind continues to recycle the content and the story of our life. So whatever story is your life, whatever, you know, experiences form part of that story, how it's so much easier for the mind to recycle and replay old negative experiences, like I said, fights, arguments, disagreements, awkward moments, embarrassing moments, traumatic moments, than what it is to actually create new memories, you know, to have a new perspective. And when we recognize that creating a new perspective is not something generic or organic that happens, but that it is an intentional effort and activity on our part, then we will always fall victim to the negative pattern in our mind if we don't actively pursue positive and healthy thinking by creating content, reading content, viewing content that's healthy for our lives. I think in discussing healing and, you know, you know yourself best, you know 
the sum total of your experiences so far, which experiences have been hurtful, which experiences have been traumatic for you. And um, I think it's important to say that in, in this episode and in the series of healing your life, I never at all want to belittle, undermine, you know, or minimize the experience that has caused you pain or the experience that has caused you trauma. But in the process of healing our lives, it's important that we elevate the healing of our lives above the problem. So it's not to minimize the problem. It's not to say that the problem didn't happen or that the problem wasn't a big deal. But it's asking yourself, what life do you want to live now? So now that everything that had happened, happened, what kind of life do you want to live now? And are you available for that life? You know, so last week, if you found that you are the kind of person, and I mean, I spoke about it because it resonated with me, you know, not from a place of arriving, but definitely in a place of pursuing, that I certainly don't want to be in a place where my my mind is really, you know, paralyzed in, in the thoughts of the past, where my mind is unavailable um, to listen, to create, to develop a new perspective and a new way of thinking about things. And so when I think about, um, you know, the process of healing, I really think about all the things that I have been through in my life, um, all the things that I've experienced in my life, you know, all kinds of things, you know, from from emotional abuse to physical abuse, really, to mourning, you know, losing my mother, losing my sister, you know, really grappling through poverty um, and through lack, you know, and, and through a lot of trauma um, in a very short amount of time, if I'm being honest with you, I realized that for myself, it was necessary to pursue a journey of healing and to really look at my life and to look at what I want to do with my life and what I want to bring into the world. And what I want to bring into the world is not the pain and the trauma that I've experienced, but I would like to create newness, perspective, joy, healing, and love where I actually can. And so with that in mind, you know, looking at your life and your experiences might be similar to mine or they may be completely different. But in looking at your life, it's important that we acknowledge that this process of healing and the journey of healing is a very difficult journey. I think the reason why most of us bottle things up, the reason why most of us are walking around vaults is because it is easier to suppress, you know, your memories, your feelings, your emotions. So it's easier to walk around as a human vault in keeping all your memories, all your experiences internally and not ever making time to work through those. Because I think there's a lot of stuff that we have to confront if we do decide to heal. You know, you can't heal if you're not honest. You know, you, you can't. You can't be delivered by something or from something that you haven't named. So in the process of healing, there needs to be a lot of honesty. I think honesty in what happened to you, honesty in what you did, and the honesty in what it meant. You know, what did, the, what did the experience mean for you? What did it do to you? Um, what negative, you know, behaviors, attitudes, and moods 
has that also created in you? What are the parts of your personality and your outlook that are directly linked to those experiences? And I think when looking at that, we often come across some of our, you know, our dispositions and our, our, our outlook on life that we don't want to change, you know. So an example is if a person, and I always say this, you know, if a person is able to say ugly things to other people, it's often because they say ugly things to themselves, but it's also because somebody said ugly things to them. You know, in this amazing book called um, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, she says, victims are victims to victims. Another quote is, you know, hurt people hurt people. And it's true. Often, whatever negative words, sentiments that somebody is able to say to you is really just a reflection of the words that they are saying to themselves. And, you know, if we are comfortable with the way that we speak to people, if we're comfortable being angry, you know, uh, being a very angry person, if we're comfortable being a moody person, if we're comfortable with being uh, staying in a victim mindset, if we're comfortable with that, then it's we less likely willing to actually heal. We're less likely to get onto the road of healing because we've built so many comfort zones in our pain. And it's true. When we are more familiar with pain, you know, when we are more familiar and more um, exposed to pain, then healing seems like an attack. Healing seems like a very uncomfortable, um, awkward, and sometimes unworthy um, experience. So I think it's important to understand that healing is not an easy process, especially if you've built certain comforts around your behavior, certain comforts around your perspective on life, you know, certain things like, you know, if somebody said that you were too fat as a child or that you weren't attractive as a child, then, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, looks don't matter. I've never been beautiful. Nobody's ever going to find me beautiful. So I just focus on my academics. I just focus on my work. And, you know, essentially you cut off a whole way of existing and celebrating yourself because of that little voice, you know, in your mind that came from that auntie, that uncle, that parent, um, that sibling that said, whatever they said at, at that stage of your life. You know, if you also, if you're used to abusive, toxic situations, you know, it's, it's more likely that you also take on those tendencies than the opposite. You know, um, that's why there's also that famous saying that says, children don't do what they told, they do what they see. You know, so there really is a process while you are pursuing healing of separating yourself from all the negative tendencies, behaviors, attitudes, and perceptions that are a direct result of the pain that you went through as a child, as a young adult, as an adult. And that can be a very uncomfortable, difficult process because you find that you've spent so much time in a certain frame, you know, so much time in a certain set, you know, um, that you can't easily break out of that mold, that shape, you know, that disposition. And so I find that when we pursue healing, or at least when in my process of pursuing healing, there needs to be a willingness on your part, as it is on my part, to actively want to heal. 
So because healing doesn't happen organically, because healing doesn't happen miraculously, if you are not intentional about showing up for the process of your healing, the truth of the matter is that you won't heal. There is an actual acceptance and a willing participation that's needed in order to heal. And that process of showing up for your healing, like I said, is never easy. But I think if you're in a place where you don't like your life, you don't like how your present moment is, you know, being administered, you're not liking what your present life looks like, you don't like how you think, you don't like how you feel, you don't like the relationships, the friendships, the tendencies, behaviors, and attitudes you've developed in your life, I think it's important to reflect on our past, our experiences, you know, our, our behaviors, and how they're all influenced by the things we went through. And when we recognize the behavior traits, the thoughts, the thought cycles that are relevant in our present moment and where they come from, then I feel that we can create a new perspective and create a new mind that is receptive to healing. So the first thing is you need to be honest with yourself about what happened. There's no scenario where you skip over what happened and pursue healing, you know. Um, you might be able to claim healing, but it's certainly not something you'll experience. So being honest about what happened, you know, being honest about what was done and what you did. What part did you have to play in the trauma that you went through? Or if somebody passed away, you find you might not have, uh, have had a part in that. But certainly being honest about what happened. And secondly, being honest about how it made you feel. Now, for those of you that are professional people at bottling or vaulting things up like myself, the question of how did it make you feel is a challenging one because you really have to dig deep into yourself to look at the experience and to ask yourself, how did it make you feel? And there could be a number of emotions that come up into your heart and into your mind. And it may also be a very emotional process. You know, you might have felt rejected neglected, abused, you know, you might feel very sad, you might feel angry and frustrated, you know, you might feel confused, you know, because once you realize what happened and you realize how you feel about what happened, you might also realize that the expectations that you had, you know, of your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, you know, your aunt, your uncle, whoever, the expectation that you had whatever role they were fulfilling and whichever expectation you had on that role that they were fulfilling and whether or not they met that expectation, being honest about what you expected them to be and honest about what they weren't and understanding how that made you feel. So there's a lot of disappointment, anger, like I said, sadness that you could feel when asking yourself, how did you feel about what you went through? How do you feel about what you did? You might feel guilt, you know, remorse, resentment, self-hatred. The list can go on about the negative emotions that you can feel. But I think in dealing with it, you need to be able to acknowledge what it is. How has this impacted your behavior and your worldview? Like I mentioned earlier. So, you know, with me, I find that because I was in a lot of situations that really felt like they were above my reach 
and a lot of traumatic things happened that felt like they were out of my control. Um, I'm very good at being a control freak, you know. I'm very good at being bossy and controlling. And sometimes there's some areas where my assertive nature is welcomed. And sometimes there's some areas where it's really not appropriate. And I think in kind of feeling blindsided by the things that happened in my life, uh, kind of feeling blindsided by the traumas that I experienced in my life, I felt like I had to be in control of everything in order to prevent another trauma from happening. So being very controlling with not only my life and everything that happened with it, but even my friends, my family, you know, being very possessive, you know, but that's because there was an insecurity of always losing someone or losing something, you know, or having my life completely change, you know, knowing one thing and then it completely changing, having one person in my life and then it completely changing. So in experiencing loss and extreme loss very quickly without a lot of time to process, it developed in me the behavior to be controlling. It developed in me the behavior to be possessive. And it also developed in me a deep need for affirmation from other people. You know, people always had to um, remind me that they're not going to leave, you know, affirm that they are my friend, affirm that they are my partner, whatever the case may be. But I needed a lot of affirmation. And I realized that that affirmation was not a natural kind of affirmation. It was really me just needing to be sure that nobody would leave, that nobody would die. But in the process of healing, I realized that I can't control everything. As much as I'd like to, I certainly can't. And wanting to control everything really robbed me of the opportunity to be present in my life, to be spontaneous, to be adventurous, to really step into each moment and just enjoy it. It really meant that being controlling meant that I had to be one step ahead of everything and everyone. And so I was predominantly spending my time thinking about the future, obsessing about the future, who would still be there, who wouldn't be there, what would have changed in my life by then, that I was unable to really be fully present in my now moment. And living like that was really exhausting for me. I think any control freak out there, can know that, yeah, can testify that it's tiring. You know, it's tiring to watch everything, to keep your eye on everything, you know, to keep your, your, your pulse on everything. It's really tiring to do that. And so I realized that I didn't want to live a life where I was missing my now moment. I didn't want to live a life where I got lost in trying to control and protect and preserve everything in my life that I was unable to be available for my now moment. I think in realizing this, I then had to really dig deep and realize where that came from. And separating now the behavior from where it came from and understanding that because these things were intricately and intimately tied, that if I didn't first heal the traumas, then the behavior wouldn't change. You know, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, well, stop being angry. Oh, stop being a control freak, you know, oh, stop doing this and that. But if you're not attentive to where it comes from, then you're only dealing with the symptoms. You know, you're not actually dealing with the root problem, the root cause. 
So I had to recognize that in my own life. Um, there was also a lot of fear in my life, you know, fear to lose things, fear of losing people. And that's, I guess, also what happens with death is, is you know, death can be so, sh- so shaking because you recognize that, you know, what you had and what you thought you had also doesn't last forever, you know, which at first is a horrible revelation. You know, it's a, it's a very daunting revelation that, you know, life is really just a breath. And we don't control, you know, who comes and goes. We don't control how many years our mothers or fathers have or siblings have. And so there's this real awakening about not really being able to control everything. Um, And so that really shook me. And I think I really had to make time to see where all of my behaviors came from, all the negative behaviors, where they came from, and being honest about the experiences and what the experiences meant, and like I said, what behaviors they produced in my life. And last but not least, for at least for this episode, how do you want to handle this? So now that you've identified what happened, you're honest about how it made you feel, you've done an audit and an assessment on the behaviors that you've developed as a result of this experience, as a result of these feelings, how do you want to handle it? And for today, I guess there are a lot of helpful resources that I'd like to share on how you can handle at least the, the begin the process of your healing. But if you've answered these questions, at least the first three questions of what happened, how did it make you feel and how has it impacted your behavior and your worldview, you're already starting the process of healing. So the fourth one is more of an action. How do you want to handle it? Now, for me, I've joined therapy. I've got a therapist. And even during coronavirus, guys, um, I've actually made time to speak to my therapist once a week. And the reason why therapy was such a necessity for me was because as much as I, you know, like to strategize and actively problem solve my life and look at things and all of these things that you can only imagine with my kind of personality, there were certain things that I didn't know. There were certain problems that felt too heavy to work through on my own. And so I decided to go into therapy because I didn't want to be um, at the mercy of the never-ending cycle of negative thoughts in my mind. I decided to go to therapy because I wanted to actively pursue mental health. I recognized that before I went to therapy and for how long I put off the idea of going to therapy, that somehow I thought that organically I would heal. Organically, I would be made whole. You know, organically, I would somehow no longer be burdened by the things that were burdening me. And the longer I waited, the more difficult it became, the more heavy, you know, the burdens were. And so I had to get to a point in my life where I said, I need help. You know, we joke about it all the time. Like, oh, she needs professional help. Oh, he needs professional help. But the more we do that, the less attractive seeking professional mental health, you know, the more negative the connotations and stigma will be. So... In pursuing mental health and wanting to be well, both spiritually, physically, and mentally, I decided to get a therapist. And the process of therapy was really 
an interesting one and a difficult one because um, you have to share your life. And if you are a professional vault or a professional bottler, then, you know, it's not easy to sit on a couch and talk about your feelings. And, you know, the, the annoying feeling of, well, what are you feeling today? You know, how do you feel about what you're feeling today? It's a very intrusive process, but I still recommend it because, you know, talking about your problems and like I said, how you feel about your problems is really a proactive way of getting to the root cause of those feelings and being able to change your behaviors and your perspective and worldview. I find that, you know, again, the process of identifying a therapist can also take time. You know, I think we... In, in going through the process myself, I won't lie to you, I looked at a number of therapists in terms of their, you know, their practice and focus areas, their education, you know, their age, their gender, all different kinds of things you can look at in deciding what kind of therapist you want and what kind of therapist you feel you would connect with or could connect with you. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily have to be a rushed process, even though it is a prioritized process. But you are allowed to choose, you know, who you want as a therapist. Um, I do understand the privilege of being on medical aid and that a lot of people aren't on medical aid. And so, you know, the experience of getting medical aid to pay for a therapist is not everybody's privilege. And I acknowledge that I'm extremely privileged in that way. But there are other things that you guys can look at, like Talkspace, which is a digital um, counseling platform that really sources counselors and therapists from all over the world at a um, reduced rate that you can then um, pay and have digital consultations. And I can tell you, um, in dealing with therapy throughout coronavirus and throughout lockdown, talking to your therapist online um, or even telephonically, is really just as effective as being in front of them on the couch. I actually think it's better, if I'm being honest with you, because sometimes, you know, I get awkward in looking people in the eyes and talking to them and sharing. But the fact that it's over the phone and she's not physically in my presence has somehow kind of broken some barriers and allowed me to be more comfortable in talking about how I feel in that day or what particular problem I want to tackle in that day. So Talkspace is an American platform, but I believe that they really do have um, quite a wide reach in terms of globally and people being able to subscribe for it. So definitely check that out. And then, of course, I think more affordable options would be social workers. I know that social workers literally all over the globe are really the unsung heroes. They deal with so many different people um, throughout their day, but they really are a, it's a good option, I think, to look at. Um, it's certainly something that I also looked at um, and experienced. And yeah, I think the only reason why I changed to a, a practice is because my medical aid could cover it, you know, so um, it just depends on what works for you. And then from a personal space, outside of the professional options that you would have. You can also read a lot of books on healing and try find books that speak about healing in your particular area. So 
if you are um, the child of of people that got divorced and so you'd have a lot of trust issues and anxiety around relationships, you know, there are so many resources that speak to that. If you are, you know, a young woman or young man that has daddy issues, um, you know, we've heard of the label thousands of times, but there are also many resources out there that speak to that particular issue. You know, if you've been abused, whether mentally, emotionally, sexually, or physically, there really are also resources out there that you can read. And again, I think that because healing is not an organic process, um, that it is important to introduce content in your mind that speaks about healing and that speaks about mechanisms of how to heal. Um, I think that there's a lot of value in, in being able to fill your mind and your heart with healing content and with content that teaches you how to heal. And I think that's, I've seen that it's definitely a great aid to therapy, whether it is with a therapist or with a social worker, but it definitely is a good aid because you are, you are independently introducing that content in your mind. Another thing that you can do personally is meditation, right? Meditation and fitness. Um, I met a woman once who had recently relocated to um, a country that she was not born in. And within the first week of her having relocated, she had already found a gym. And I was just absolutely amazed by her dedication, you know, that I said to her, oh my goodness, I can't believe that within the first week of you relocating to a new country that you have already signed up gym membership. Um, And she said to me, it's not at all about being physically obsessed with fitness. It has everything to do with my mental health. So one can never knock the importance of physical activity when it comes to producing a healthy mind. You know, whatever it is that you enjoy, it could be running, it could be swimming, it could be walking, it could be cycling, you know, it could be a range of different exercises, boxing, CrossFit, you know, there's so many options that you can do even during coronavirus, you know, there's still a lot of options that you can do within your home. You really don't need a big space to exercise, but making sure that you really get the physical side of your mental health practice into your daily routine or at least into your weekly routine, whether it is a walk or, you know, stretching on a yoga mat or whatever it is, trying to build that into your practice. And she's like, she said to me, it had everything to do with mental health and, you know, physical fitness and looking good physically was just a benefit, you know, so never knock the importance of that. Meditation, I say, is important because, You know, meditation for me has allowed me to see my mind more than I used to see it. You know, before I used to view my mind as a prison, if I'm being honest with you, you know, I saw my mind as a place that I was just trying to avoid, trying to kind of get away from, trying to ignore. But the more I started to meditate, the more I realized that there's a lot more to my mind than than the thoughts that I have. There's a lot more to my mind than, you know, the memories of the past. There's a lot more to my mind than the traumas of the past. And I guess meditation also in conjunction with reading and the kind of content that you introduce to your mind, that the more I introduced new content into my mind and the more I meditated, there was newness in my mind. And then there's also this beautiful experience, I guess, in meditating of just blankness, you know, 
of being completely blank. Being able to be in a meditative session, doing a breathing exercise, and literally just feeling my mind being blank, being absolutely available for relaxation, for focus and centering into the present moment. And it's a beautiful experience because often my mind felt like a traffic jam. Often my mind felt very congested and very busy. And it was beautiful to actually observe and recognize that my mind could be a lot more than just a traffic jam. My life could be a lot more than just, you know, a hustling, bustling, you know, road. It could be a lot more than just polluted thoughts. And meditating allowed me to recognize that there's more in my mind than what I thought. And in creating that blank open space, I also recognized that, you know, the creative stories came out, you know, different ideas for the show came out, different business ideas came out. So it's also that thing of using meditation to create space in your mind that was previously preoccupied and occupied by negative thoughts, memories, fights, you know, reliving moments over and over and over again, I could now really understand that there was a lot more to my mind. There was a lot more space in my mind. And once I allowed for the intentional creation of more space in my mind, then my creative juices could really flow and my mind could be clear enough to not only think of an idea, but to really see it through. And then I guess the final resource from my perspective, as a lot of you have probably figured by now, I am a Christian girl. Um, and I guess from my personal perspective and experience in, in walking with God is, you know, I believe and I have faith that God does work out everything for our good. Um, now, even in saying that, you know, in the journey of pursuing healing, I've realized that there are a lot of things that I also grapple with, you know, when it comes to faith, when it comes to God and when it comes to his will. And I never act like it is an easy process and I never ever act like everything's okay just because, you know, you know, God, God's will. I never act like that either. And so I think in, if you are a religious person, if you are a person that's pursuing God, if you are a person of faith, I think it's being able to incorporate your process of healing with your faith. So reading books, meditating, exercising is not denouncing faith. And it's certainly not blasphemy. But it's saying that God definitely wants you to heal. And God has provided healing for you. And because you believe that God has provided healing for you and you believe that his will is perfect for your life, you can also work with God in the process of that healing by reading, going to therapy, seeing a social worker, meditating, exercising. Because God has an ultimate promise for your life of healing. You are able to support and go along with that promise and really activate that promise in your life by doing the activities that I mentioned. So I don't think that faith is this, this thing that exists where you exist in faith in ignorance. I think faith, if anything, is really supplemented and strengthened through knowledge and awareness. So if you develop yourself intellectually when it comes to your healing, 
wouldn't it be amazing to see intellectual development in your healing plus your faith that you will be healed? I think both of those components and elements of your healing are powerful and are endlessly impactful and you can definitely have both. So even when I think about my healing process, how much the Bible praise and worship songs, you know, talking to other Christians that believe and have the same faith as me, um, has really spoken to my heart and to my soul. And if I'm being honest with you, also being able to, um, have conversations with other people of faith from other religious groups. And, you know, you'll never know where you'll receive a message from. You'll never know who will say something to you that will just blow your mind. Um, and so that has also really allowed me to, um, hear and enjoy other encouragements as well. So I think there's so much in terms of resource that you can use um, for your healing journey. I think that there is so much around you, even if there are budgetary constraints, I still believe that there is quite a lot around you that can help you get through this process. I hope that this episode has definitely gotten you thinking about your past about your healing process, about which areas in your life you want to heal. Um, I hope that it's created a realistic um, view that although healing is certainly important, it's not easy. But that being said, there are many ways that we can pursue our healing. And I hope at least that this episode will be one of the ways that you can start to look at your life and start to heal the areas in your life so that you're able to be fully present in your now moment, that you are no longer haunted by the ghosts of memories from your past, but you're able to actively deal with the parts in your life that have caused you pain, that have caused you trauma, that you're disappointed in, guilty or ashamed by. Look at those areas, proactively heal and focus on those areas to be brave enough to take part in this process. Um, And I think if you have been jotting down notes or I guess in your thinking today, that if you are deciding to join this journey, you already are taking the bravest and biggest step at starting the process. So I hope, like I said, that this episode has spoken to you and at least created some perspective on the process and the journey of healing. I'm excited to talk to you guys next week because next week will be part two and we will really be getting deeper into this healing series. And next week, I want to talk about how we are more than what has happened to us. Um, We are more than what has happened to us and we are even more than what we have done. Believe that or not. So join me next week for another episode in this healing series. I hope you guys have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening to this installment. Remember, guys, you can follow us on Instagram at hazes.podcast. Drop us an email as well at hazes.podcast at gmail. Let me know what you're thinking in this process of healing. What areas do you want to heal? What have been some of the roadblocks or speed bumps that you faced along your way? And maybe that's something that I can also discuss and address through the many resources that I'm looking at for this series. But for today, guys, God bless. Have an incredible day. Remember that you are able to heal. Healing your life is possible. And I hope that we'll be able to enjoy this journey together as we pursue healing. God bless. Happy Tuesday. Choose yourself.